Yes, hello. How are you, friends? What's happening? Welcome back to the show, Into Deep. I'm your host, Jack Rowland. I hope you're all doing absolutely tremendously today. <coughs> Jesus. <coughs> Whew. Wow. Today, I chat with my buddy, Spencer Rose. Spencer does many things, but most notably, he is the creator of the incredibly popular video game, Hurt World. Hurt World is a multiplayer survival first-person shooter game with a focus on competitive gunplay in a post-apocalyptic world. Brave the elements with your friends or alone as you gather the necessities to survive in an environment populated by fierce creatures, rich resources, and ever-evolving challenges. It's available on PC and Mac and is sure to captivate even the most seasoned gamer. He made a whole fucking video game, people. That blows my mind. Enjoy this chat with Spencer and I as I clumsily fumble my way through concepts and questions of the workings of the world with someone who's actually built one of his own. Let's get deep with Spencer Rose. Is there a point to all this? I think we're getting in too deep. You don't apply. Bad luck. Oh, I have one speed, I have one gear. Go, 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 I'll tell you when we're getting in too deep, too deep, too deep. I don't understand, like, with weed, why everyone um, – I'm recording, by the way um, – why everyone relaxes on weed. Like, yeah, Stoner <laughs> is, like, a relaxed person. They're, like, yeah. just going to fucking unwind and relax and get as really high. It's, like, the opposite for me. I'm, like – it just makes me really heady, really, like – yeah. Over uh, like analyzing every situation and I'm just usually waiting for it to kind of yeah. go so I can relax. And you're so much out of control than what you usually are. Yeah. Like every other drug is heaps less hectic than smoking weed. The fact that people think weed is a gateway drug, like that that is some of the most intense drug experiences that i've had is just smoking bongs i'm glad someone agrees with me because no one like it, i i kind of find it interesting as well how it can be so different for like the experience can be so different for like most people who like weed it's it's yeah it's a very like easygoing thing that's kind of like the stereotype with it. it's easygoing it's the opposite not at all <laughs> Yeah, like you you can't you can't green out on cocaine. You can't white out. No, yeah, white out. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no other drug that can literally do like like for the most part. You have to drink a fuckload of alcohol to get to the point where it makes you pass out. Yeah, make incapacitates you. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible with cocaine, any amphetamines. Um, ketamine will only put you there for twenty minutes. Like weeds, weeds the most potent out of all of them. Yeah, I mean, acid. That'll that's that's one that's like very different for very different people. Yeah. I'm envious when you speak to people and they're like, "That's I've never had a bad trip." I'm like, "I'm at the fifty fifty ratio. <laughs> it's a real roll of the dice with oh, yeah. me." Yeah, even I mean, even the bad ones are like great, but I mean, they're not so. They're not great. They're hor- horrific, but they usually come out with some kind of revelation or. I don't know. I, I have a hundred percent strike rate with with good trips. Yeah, really. Never had a bad trip no. with acid. No, that's or two CB. Like other people thought I was having a bad trip with two CB. Yeah, on New Year's, and it ruined everyone else's night because mm. I was just like running into walls and like like 
I had an exorcism moment. <laughs> but in my head, I was having a fucking great time. All the all the cogs were aligned, all the stars were aligned, everything was like this is a perfect moment yeah, kind of thing. Absolutely was. Mm. It was like that exact thing was like all these cogs aligning and I'm the center of the universe and everything's great and I just figured it all out and I'm now this magical unicorn that I've evolved <laughs> into that I can telepathically talk to dogs and me, <laughs> me and the dog are best mates and there's a whole sitcom about me and him being mates and like yeah. really I'm just like on the ground like everyone's stressed about it like I came out of it. I'm like, what's going on? What happened? Hey, guys, what's happening? <laughs> I was like, I Jesus. Had a, I, I had a sick night. <laughs> everyone's like, thank God you're still alive. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I did hear about that news. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was that big that news spread. <laughs> yeah. I mean, far out. Like, how, how weird is that when, I don't know. It could look like, I guess, what would the concern be? They may never return. I guess that's the concern. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the... Experience people that were around me had gone through of people that haven't come back from that. Yeah, that's that's very far gone. I really hope that person will come back. Yeah, I guess yeah. That's, that's the main concern, right? Yeah, but it's never never been a stress for me. Like mm. my, my brain t- tends to deal well with being in that unknown yep. situation yeah and like i'm an eternal optimist so when i'm when i'm in that state i guess what i've heard people people don't come back that it can be like it's not so much that it's a bad trip that it's like they it's too good a trip and they don't want to come back oh really right yeah and maybe that was the fear but i also really like reality yeah yep <laughs> Yeah, me too. It's, uh, I think when I like first kind of started getting into it all, all the psychedelic stuff, I reckon I probably had a few friends around me that would have had that kind of concern where it's just like, okay, buddy, like, I don't know. It's, I think the concern was almost like I'm putting more weight on this psychedelic realm than reality. And as a result, you're writing off reality as being an illusion. The concern that people about you or you yeah, about your people friends? like I think when I was early days getting into it, mm-hmm. I think that was kind of my attitude. It yeah. was like this is seems more real than real because it, it felt like I was, I don't know, maybe touching something more sacred or whether I was felt like I was understanding more about myself. But th- I, I feel like there, there was definitely a definitely a moment at one point where you you kind of go into all the hippy dippy shit explanations of it, and you can take that a bit too literally. Like life is a life is just a dream, or life is just a, another uh, illusion, I guess. But um, it's sure you could say life is an illusion if you like, you know, kind of de-engineer the way we just like receive light and then our brain actually flips it upside down and then you know uh we're we're just interacting with our version like Mm. we're kind of saying the other day like compared to like sonar or something Mm. uh, a completely different version of reality no both are in the same space both are um equal however sorry that was a long-winded way but (laughs) (laughs) it's like 
when you kind of, I got so seduced by that psychedelic experience, it was kind of thinking that, ah, you know, life's all an illusion, but literally Mm. it's an illusion. So nothing's serious, nothing really matters, but I don't know. It's like, yeah, I I went, I went went down that path as well mm. for a little bit. And like when you go through that same God discovering or like, not God, but that like moment of clarity moment a bunch of times, like you're riding the roller coaster mm. of this really profound moment that sort of takes away from its specialness and you realize that it's not that special and it's just this like artificially intensified moment because of the chems and that the the story and the the reality that you end up creating for yourself in this magical realm that is inside your head is a story that you're writing essentially mm, yeah and it's very hard to write a more interesting story than one that has a multiple billions of writers than the one that you can write on your own in a closed room like you that's tailored to you <laughs> yeah yeah like you've got you, and you're 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 basing the story that you're writing off the experiences that you've had in this world that involves all these other people and all this chaos that isn't of your creation and without all those things you would have nothing to work with that you're essentially extrapolating from a world that is the collective like interacting with humans so like the the paths that you can go down when you have other people sharing the reality with you is infinite but the paths that you can go down on your own without any stimulation besides what's going on in your own made-up world it's super limited because humans aren't actually that creative in my opinion oh really <laughs> I, why, why, why do you why do you why is that your opinion i feel like you can derive most creativity down to um influence copying and, and regurgitating not, kind of thing not, not necessarily copying but like mm. seeing something and being like that's sick i like that you develop taste mm. from looking at other things or listening to other things so when you come to your own creation your taste is completely influenced by things that you've seen or heard before and um like you you learn techniques of doing things off a lineage of like hundreds thousands of years of people creating things that are similar nothing nothing's created in in a vacuum yeah that, but that that's that's I, not I, dis- I, get, I get what you mean yeah yeah but um like <clears throat> I, I think that the the most creative we are when we like misinterpret something and like go like hear something and think oh that sounds sick and then you listen to it properly and say like, oh it's not the thing that i thought it was but i can go create it mm. so like I, I i try to i try to utilize that that part of the brain in like the the ability to fill in the gaps of things yeah have you have you ever woken up from a dream and you've actually made a song in your dream or a joke? I think usually jokes turn out to be trash. But I've woken up with a tune in my head that doesn't exist and it's 
not bad at the time. Maybe that's just like I'm still waking up and it's actually not that great. Did, did you ever manage to hold on to it long enough to write it down? I've woken up and I've hummed it. And I, like, I don't know if that counts. Can you, like, can you hum it to me now? No, definitely, <laughs> definitely not. I'm not like, but it kind of makes me wonder like, what is that? What is that kind of level of creation? What, like, how could your subconscious create a song or, or, or a, uh, just a, a, a set of bars, I guess, or, you know, a loop or something? Yeah. Well, how, how is that different to creating it when you're awake? I guess there's like, well, we really have no fucking idea what's happening in dreams, but like whether that's actually decision making or, or just your subconscious mind unfolding, right? I mean, it, yes. I, 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 I guess it's not like it's just your brain working, but... I, I see dreams as dry runs of hypothetical scenarios that your internal processor has decided is something that you need to simulate to try to figure out how to do it better before it happens. Hmm. Like dry runs, like almost preparing for the next step or... Because I always kind of thought it was like unpacking the the problems you've kind of faced for the day possibly oh yeah that was kind of my to to i don't i don't shuffle, dream about shuffle them in I don't, into, I don't dream about stuff like that though personally mm. like what are your what are your dreams man late well lately i don't think i've had a whole lot of dreams but to be honest i get a lot of nightmares really yeah a lot of nightmares do they scare you when you're in them or do you just um, look at them like do you detect that it's a, a dream and you're like well, I've, I've developed this like weird <laughs> technique of getting me out of a nightmare yeah. where I will, um, I'll realize it's a nightmare. I guess there must be some kind of level of comprehending that it's a dream, not like a lucid dream, but I'm like, okay, I need to like break this. So I'll start like yelling as loud as I can, but in real life, my mouth doesn't open. So mm-hmm. I'm just lying there going, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yuri yeah. has to like shake me like it's a, and pat me and go, it's okay. But yeah, like I literally do that all the time. I like yell with my mouth closed. It's like must look pretty fucking weird from the outside. What What's generally the threat? Um, I don't think there's any kind of consistency to like the threat. I think they're literally, they're way more like cliched. Like, you know, it, it would be things like monsters or the murderer you know like they're they're not they're not uh i don't think they're deep i don't think they're like uh you know i don't think they're they're not specific another dream i get recurring a lot is like um uh crumbling teeth my teeth will just completely i'll chew down hard and then they'll all crumble and you can feel every little crumble I reckon there's a dream book that will tell you what that means. I think that's a common that's one. That's a real specific one. Yeah, crumbling teeth is like definitely a... Have you looked it up? Yeah, I have. I can't remember what it means. I think it's just like stress. I think often it's just like, yeah, a lot of stress or something. Uh, another one would See, be... That might be that might be the hypothetical scenario that I'm talking about, that mm. you're stressed, so you're grinding your teeth and your brain is running the scenario that if you keep doing this, you won't have any teeth. So it's trying to instill a level of fear in you so that when you wake up, you stop doing it. Dude, have you seen my teeth? <laughs> they are ground down. There you go. <laughs> I have ground my teeth in my sleep like 
Oh, I have to wear a mouth guard. They're like... Really? Yeah, I think like oh, at least 10 years ago, the, the dentist said, yeah, those are teeth of a 45-year-old. And I was like <laughs> 21 or 22. <laughs> I was like, fuck. fuck. I'm going to have little baked bean nublets when I'm old. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, dreams... Like there's... Just there's like laser teeth. There's weird consistencies, I, find, I reckon, in dreams though. Like there's another one that I find that always happens. Two, actually. If you're in a fight like a stress situation and I have to fight someone, mm -hmm. every try time I try to connect a punch, mm -hmm. it's like you're underwater and they just, they won't land. Yeah, I'm the same. And I have that one all the time. It's weird, isn't it? And also if you have to run away from something, if something's um, chasing you, it's like you're on the moon. It's like, the, it's like gravity is, or maybe underwater, but gravity is less. So I almost have to like wait till I'm floating down to the floor and then really push off to get forward. Like I can't, I can't do a sprint. Oh yeah. Do you ever get that? No. I have when I'm I'm often running away from people in my dreams. Except instead of being unable to escape, I can fly and no one else can. That's pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> but like not yeah, not, not like Superman, like um like a, a chicken. Mm. Like if I run fast okay. enough, I'm like a flatless bird. <laughs> And I'll basically have to pick a point on a roof and I'll be able to get up with a good run. I can get onto the roof and then I'll get a run up on the roof and then I can take off there and I can get even higher. And it's really hard for people to catch me when I can. <laughs> and I'm the only one in the dream that can glide like that. And if I can get enough altitude, I can like soar and it's heaps of fun. And I forget that I was running away from someone. And that's, that's, that's common. Yeah, every single dream I can fly in. So... Man, there must be like I wonder. Obviously, that that must come down to just like the uniqueness of your mind compared to my mind because I've never had that. But I wonder if you can actually like train. I want, maybe like, I have like avian like lineage and you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was a slug in a past life, <laughs> and I will be a slug in a next life. Maybe you're a fish. <laughs> yeah, you're always underwater. <laughs> yeah, less evolved. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did like, I wonder if you could actually like train your dreams, if that's a possibility. I've, I've tried. I can always tell when I'm in a dream, but I never, I never get the massive motivation to like change it. Yeah. Yep. Because it's more like I'm watching a movie and I'm in, I'm in a back seat and I'm resting. I'm like, I, I don't want to drive right now. Mm. But mm. like. Maybe you could train them when you're awake. Like I've had had partners that have tried to like, like let's let's like try to control each other's dreams and like whisper a word into your ear while you're about to go to sleep and try to influence oh, what, really? what you actually dream about. Did, did you it's have never, any results? It's never worked. <laughs> well, I, I was like I was looking into it. Um, I went through a I went through a phase of really trying to like. Well, I was trying to learn how to lucid dream, and again, mm -hmm. this is like in my like little hippie awakening yeah. where I'll, my ultimate goal was to try and teach myself how to astral project. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really have any results. Did you have any success? No, but I was reading books about astral projection and, um, and yeah, it, it kind of like the, the early stages of it were a lot of things like you go to sleep and you would visualize. Um, one was like, telling yourself in your conscious state your waking your waking state 
that this is always a dream. This is a dream. Well, this could also be a dream. And just kind of questioning um, <laughs> the reality of every situation. That I actually found had kind of bad effects. Yeah. Like. Did you ever believe yourself? When it well, was? that's what I mean because I was, I was young. I was like 21, 22, I guess. I think I was about that age. So I was really like really on the hunt for like the more, you know, it was like spiritual dimensions, you know, I need to prove this. I need to like bring something back. And, you know, when you really want to believe something, you can convince yourself. So when I was telling myself that every day, I was like, I found like it was almost getting to a weird space. It was making reality weird and I didn't like that. So I abandoned it. But another one was like visualizing when you go to sleep, visualize that there's a rope. Oh, no, they, no, they said put a rope from your ceiling down and every now and then when you're like going to sleep, reach up and grab it and always do that and then eventually take the rope away and then just keep visualizing that. And then when you're dreaming, you'll do it and then you actually pull yourself out and that will, that will take you off. It was like, yeah, it was all pretty, it was pretty weird for a while. <laughs> so, Again, so, I got so, no, so the point is, is that... That muscle memory, I guess, when, is the, when, the point. When you imagine the rope... The rope doesn't exist. So in the when you're not asleep yet, the rope won't do anything. But when you are asleep, your imagination will create reality and that will pull you out. Is that what you're saying? I think I think it's training your body to realize there's something there that could physically pull you up. And then if you do it while your body is asleep and you, but your mind still has that as a me- as a memory trigger, mm-hmm. the idea is it'll pull your um, consciousness up. <laughs> to create more dreams well to um that was that was more on the astral projection one rather than the lucid dreaming one but what's what's the objective of when, when you get pulled up travel around where baby you, where fly around the universe <laughs> go perp on some chicks somewhere <laughs> <laughs> i was like i was into some pretty wacky shit at that age yeah, yeah. i was trying to figure out a few things yeah did you figure anything out I took a lot of acid. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, no, I did. I totally figured a lot of stuff out. It uh, creatively stimulated me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very important time for my like creativity. That's definitely something that happened. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, ultimately, uh, like you just said before, you know, I like reality. Uh, you know, there's nothing more magical than, I guess when you're young and everything's like fucking coming out of your teens, everything's gray, everything sucks <laughs> at some point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for me, it took like uh, overcorrection to realize how great this world is. What's the overcorrection? Where did you go too far? Oh, well, just- you know, taking way too much acid and then... um. Uh, thinking that the other other realms are more real than than this realm where mm-hmm. they they could be real but and and there's there's a lot to learn i feel like i went through the same overcorrection and it's a good mm. one yeah because it's it's testing it saying yeah. like there's a novelty to that realm because i've never been in it before i've mm. spent my whole life in this one yeah and it's a bit shit at times mm. i'm going to mm. go spend heaps of time in that one and go oh this is sick Oh, it's kind of the same over and over again. This other one doing some new stuff. It's different. I've, the novelty wears off and you're like, yeah, actually, 
it kind of like reinforces what this one means to you when you have options. Mm. Like also depends what you're doing in this realm. If you're not doing much, true, and 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 you're in a bad headspace, absolutely. absolutely. Like it's it's um it's easy that, to be seduced a, by other that's things. That's a wicked escape. Yeah, but um, I mean. I can't think of someone who uh, does more in this realm than you. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. Your, your, kind of, your kind of attitude is like your, cur- your curiosity is quite infectious, I think. I think it's like it's interesting to you'll play with all programs, you'll play with all these different things. You'll also explain concepts to me. Uh, and now I'm coming in so blind, like a complete dummy, like particularly about computers and stuff. Never judging. You just like very calmly explain it, and you're like very encouraging to like pass on the information. It's um, it's great. It's fantastic. I'm I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone about the stuff that I'm way over obsessed with that will listen. <laughs> yeah, because like I go I go deep on anything that sparks my interest, but. Like to, be- to the point where no one else would ever give a shit. So if I find someone that's curious about something, mm. I'll be like, "Oh, I get to I get to talk to them about." I I finally get someone to talk to about this thing that I'm really interested in, but yeah. it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, with the really the really obscure shit like fucking light globes. <laughs> I know. So we're just talking about light globes before this, and like, yeah, I actually find I don't know. I found that the just light in general a really fascinating kind of subject like why is the fucking sky blue uh also like someone yeah someone explained to me like i think the reason like uh eyes are blue and the sky is blue is the same reason i could be completely wrong it's not that there is um blue pigment in your eyes it's that everything else is oh my god hold on i'm gonna butcher this Everything else is bouncing back. No, everything else is being absorbed, but the blue is just bouncing back. That's the way that every color works on a surface. The so, sky is a, an exception that's not like that at all. Right. So like that that bookcase, you're seeing brown because the all the other light colors are being absorbed. So if you have a black surface, it absorbs way more energy than a white surface because a black surface is letting out very little of the light that's hitting it. Um, but the sky is completely different. The sky is some... What's happening is that there's haze in the atmosphere and when the sun rays hit it, the the haze is lots of different refraction indexes and when um, a piece of light passes from one refraction index to another, it causes it to bend and blue is bent a lot more, I think, than other light spectrum, other 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 parts of light. So certain certain frequencies of light get hit, hurt, like get hit more by that bend, and so um, a bunch of them get scattered away, and what we get hit with is what's left. And is that like uh, when you say haze? That's literally just like water particles different and, density yeah, of the atmosphere of and yeah like moisture being in the air and um just a, a, like if we had no atmosphere so when you see a rocket go up through the atmosphere once it punches above a certain um amount of 
atmosphere being above it, everything just goes black because you've got a light source and then you've got all this other stuff that doesn't have any light source. And naturally that you would assume that would be black. But when mm. you're in our atmosphere, it becomes blue because the light that's coming adjacent gets bounced around and then turns the corner and comes down to you. It's called Rayleigh scattering. Rayleigh scattering. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think I've looked that up a bunch of times and that's the only time I've properly comprehended it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I heard another explanation about like eyes, like the, the color in your eyes is like there's no pigment. It's not about pigment. It's just about light. It's about the absence of pigment or maybe I could be wrong. I, yeah. There are certain certain um, like surfaces that have microstructures that cause – it works – I, th I think it's different to the way that something with a pigment has. Mm. The way chameleons change their color, right. I think, uses that mechanism. Where okay. They have like tiny little physical things that move around that cause them to look like they're changing color. But, um, but really, what, what it comes down to is the thing that hits your eye, if it is a certain frequency of light, then. It's that color. Hmm. So, the th no matter what, an object is absorbing or blocking some of the light and letting some of it out. And over the spectrum, you've got red, green, blue, blah, blah, blah. Some of those things get sucked in by an object. Some get spat out. Yeah. And that what you see is the thing that's left. Right. But if the light that is emitting onto it doesn't, emit all of those colors to begin with, then you there's no chance you'll get any of them back. Mm. So if you shine a red light on a surface, you're never going to see a blue colored object come back at you. So this is, yeah, this is kind of what you're talking about, about these like these new amazing light bulbs that are like perfect. So I guess like the first time I, one time, I think I was at Shine On Festival, maybe Rainbow, I think it was Shine On. And I was wandering around and there was these digital artworks that were like, you know, very mandala-esque mm -hmm. and lots of different colors, but they had different changing lights and there was a real push and pull thing going on. And mm -hmm. the actual forms of this like two-dimensional artwork was changing in front of my eyes yeah, yeah. while I was tripping out. Um, yeah, and that, it blew that, my fucking mind. It uses that, that exact mechanism of... Mm. Just shining different colored lights because you don't get anything bouncing back. Yeah. Friend Hera does it very, very well. Mm, yep. Yeah, that absolutely blew my mind. And it also um, kind of talking to you earlier about like the importance of, I don't know, or just the quality of light makes me realize how poor my studio lighting is for what my it, work. Is it like fluorescence or something? Well, it's just, it's just not well lit. Like, so most of the time I'm relying on like daylight, which is actually great. Daylight's the best yeah, light. Fantastic. But as soon, like in winter, as soon as it gets to five o'clock, everything just goes yellow. And when uh, my work is very color orientated, it's yeah. a very bad idea. It's like, it's like trying to edit um, photos on a really cheap LCD screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like totally. You buy a screen and it has um, like a can't remember what the rating is on it but um like the color reproduction rating and 
there's certain screens that you should buy if you're doing professional artwork on it and there's mm. certain ones you should stay away from but most people don't consider the globe that is in the room when you're doing physical art is going to insanely affect your ability to see the thing that's in front of you yeah well i mean I, uh, over time i've just become a day painter so i just haven't been a night painter that's probably the reason why but yeah right i think i'm like i think i've gotten away with a lot considering the con- light conditions i've painted in. well yeah but do, do you ever paint in in shit light and then wake up the next morning see it in daylight and you're like oh that doesn't look like it, what i thought it was well luckily because none of my tones are based in reality like it's representational but it's all surreal colors there's not really like there's been nuances that i would like like to be better you know like detail it's usually like details just off yeah you know things just are like clump they just look clumsy yeah yeah uh but you know if if the tone of blue was different like the object wasn't blue in real life anyway so that's fine you know what i mean like if if i'm painting a green tree that is brown but but generally generally what you get back from shitty light is desaturation Mm, yeah so which means you will oversaturate it yep and then you look at it in the daylight and you it's like mixing music on a hi-fi system oversaturation is great for my for my painting (laughs) i'm a big oversaturator yeah but if you're if you're you're going for oversaturation Mm. i don't know there's more saturation that you could get but, yeah, 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 yeah. But you might go too far, further than you wanted Never. to go. <laughs> Never. <laughs> maybe this is your secret. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe you're going to start painting under normal light. And Turns out I'm, like, yeah. This just doesn't have the same pop to it. Turns out I'm colorblind this whole time. <laughs> Thought I was just painting realism. But yeah. Um, yeah, an- another one that I heard, uh, which I found light interesting. And this kind of sounds like goofy, but... Someone said, uh, oh, no, I think I read this because um, I was reading Light Theory at the end of uni. And uh, it was like a claim that the color pink doesn't exist. So magenta exists on the light spectrum. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it goes like from red magenta to purple. But like the kind of lighter tones of like pink aren't really on the light wheel. So there's kind of like our brain. The light wheel. Well, like, uh, yeah, that's the light spectrum of the, the color things, the, the better way. But, like, if you're looking at the light... Right. So, if you're saying... If you're, looking, if you're looking at just, like, a full, fully filled out black body radiation light emission, which has no... If you just tried to find a point of that frequency, there's nothing that is pink. Right. It's possible that... Pink is actually a mix of two different spectrums, two two different um, light spectrums. Yeah, absolutely. There's tons. Was, of, there's tons of colors that it's like that. Yeah, like white, the way, white is that. There right. is there is no there's no section of the light spectrum that is white. Right. That, yeah. Okay. It, the light spectrum that's white is everything at once. Yeah. All the things. Yeah. All combined, for some reason, make white. Yeah. So yeah. pink. It happens because. Um, as things like exceed um, brightness, they tend to call like in games we call it bloom. So if you have like a red light and it gets really, really, really bright, 
it becomes orange and then it becomes white and then the things around it become red or like yeah, the, right. the color bleeds into it. And I, I don't know whether these are things that like painters think about, but like it's it's an effect that when, when you have like these lights, we can see that they're um, orange around them. But when you look directly into the center, they just look white because the bright when the brightness peaks, our eyes just naturally gravitate towards white. Mm. Um, and when you just throw a whole spectrum at, yeah, I don't really know what I'm talking about that much, but no, I, I like, yeah, to, I was. I, it just made me think of like I've seen a lot of people painting neon lights lately, and they'll just do like a colorful fuzz and then a white line, and exactly. all of a sudden it's just got this effect that looks like. Yeah, yeah, literally like it's radiating out, radiating light. Yeah, yeah, and I actually had to look at the the image of the guy spraying the white to see whether that was pink or not, and it was just white. The canvas <laughs> white. Yeah, yeah. Because your brain just plays such tricks on you that it looks like that's a pink radiating thing, but it's pure white. Yeah. When I but, first um, discovered that in like rendering through like bloom filters that naturally would do that for us in game engines. I went to Photoshop and looked for a tutorial on like making bloom images and like what you do. And I was blown away by it. I just sat there making like bloomy pink circles mm. for like two hours because it just has this insane ability to make something look really, really bright without it actually being bright. Yeah. But that that's like a lot of the way I've kind of noticed color really works. Like if you, if I'm trying to create a, a moody landscape that's also very bright and colorful mm. often it's the darks that you have to surround certain colors with that really bring out a color yeah. like you can't you can but if you throw every single color in there without those like appropriate contrasts which are desaturated often and and, and very dark mm -hmm. the the vibrancy doesn't sing or it just looks like a big rainbow nightmare which also can be cool like a lot of <laughs> you know that can be cool as well but not for really what i'm kind of trying to do yeah um, yeah and but the, yeah and other that, color that's, that's an interesting one about the way that you paint with very surreal color palettes or stylized color palettes that you seem to perfectly create context for a color amongst other colors that doesn't really exist hmm. which is I, th I think the thing that I love most about your work that it like it follows rules of light emission and stuff without the lights being within a real space well in, uh, unfortunately to break anyone's like ideas I have computers to thank a lot for that. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you when when you can play around with images on Photoshop and, and really warp them, yeah, you can tell before you put paint to canvas mm -hmm. what works and what doesn't. So sometimes, right. like, you so know, do, like, do you do you, do you mock things up in Photoshop? Yeah, yeah. Painting, I, like, or you take a photo and you. I mean, I, I'll digital collage and stuff, but I'll also like I'll. You can go on Photoshop and you can like select the reds of the piece, right? And you can make make them purple, up the blue and down the yellow, and and just keep playing around. But often, if you, for instance, if you like, if you fuck with the blacks, the the, the darker tones, and make them bright, hmm. that loses the balance of the piece. So you can yep. kind of fuck with the mid tones, but 
the lights and the darks. Keep, you've got to keep your ratios. Yeah, right. you kind of have to uh, 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 sit within the the rules of light, I guess, mm-hmm. for it all to make sense. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I, like so. Yeah, you. Um, you know, we we're kind of talking about it a lot before, so we don't have to like rehash a whole conversation. But you created this um, this uh, very popular game called Hurt World. Um, Mm-hmm. But I kind of was interested when, so you're creating an entire world. So you're kind of, well, it, there's like almost like weird prejudices in the, in the digital world. Like you're, you're creating landscapes all day with that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You're creating atmospheres. You're creating like even rules of like, I, I guess you'd be creating like kind of physics rules for, for the players that would have to kind of go in there um, for everything to kind of, sit right so mm-hmm. you're no stranger to creating landscapes either you know and and color combos and that's why i vibe so much with your art because the like the palettes that i gravitated towards in trying to create lots of different biomes were just like for days and days just scrolling through like landscape photos and sunsets and like rock structures and um contrasts like the, the thing that gets me most contrasts of like mm, tree yeah. trees with soil with sky and those three colors and um even though i had an art team i would obsess over just making that palette right and oh really? so so you had a you had like a creative team that would work on i guess giving giving the game a, a certain look yeah but you you were you were very much involved in it in that yep. you're very much involved in every aspect of the game yeah yeah um, I probably more than I should have been, right? But I'm a bit of a control freak. Mm. Um, that's how you get a good product. <laughs> but I would like, I'd just be like, I, I have this image in my head of this thing that I want to make, and I don't know how to make it because I don't have this. I'm not an artist, and I don't have the specific skills required to paint that picture. But, um, in a dynamic environment, because Hurt World has um, a dynamic day-night cycle. Um, the the game needs to paint the landscape in a whole bunch of different lights, right? And you can't really do that by painting a tree a certain color. You need to paint the tree. Yep. It's, it's what we call an albedo color, and it's reflectivity and it's how much um, bounce light it, it absorbs. And then you need to have a lighting engine that shines the correct color of light as what daylight would be at 6 p.m. on it that makes it look accurate and then throw a sky behind it that has correct Rayleigh scattering indexes and stuff. So we're like, the, the reason that I obsessed over that for a while was because we had to physically simulate sky. It's actually mm. quite simple maths to determine what color a pixel of sky will be depending on where the where the sun is, what time of day it is, where, really? what, what your what your altitude is, what your longitude and latitude are. So, when, when, like in in this kind of virtual space where you're completely creating an environment, there I, I so I assume I know fuck all about computers, um, but I assume that there's set rules that are kind of, like of physics that are kind of mimicked in the digital world. Mm-hmm. So when you're dealing with something like a sunset and you'd want it to be quite spectacular, 
is is in the physics of this digital world have you is there atmosphere like have you programmed atmosphere in there and that's how light's working or is it a bit more simple than that yeah way well we there's the physics that create those effects in our world are way too complicated to simulate in a game yeah so what we have to do is look at the output that our world creates and then figure out shortcuts to create something similar. Right. Because right, right. tracing every photon through fluid mechanics of infinite different indexes of complexity is like, it's never going to happen. But the basics of it are really simple. Mm. And there's very well documented public code, open source stuff, libraries for simulating things like Rayleigh scattering of the suns at this angle from you. Rayleigh scattering, I'm yeah. learning. And <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's like it's on the horizon and like like orange sun, like we we didn't even build the lighting engine, oh, sorry, the, the, the sky engine that runs in Hurt World. We used mm. a plugin um, that was very, very well made and it gives us insane sunsets and every single point of the sky and like you can tweak the values of it to make it more um like like obviously even in our world we have some sunsets that are pretty bland and some that are fucking wild Hmm. and we can tweak it more towards the wild end but as long as you have all of the different variables right in your lighting engine and what the game engine is rendering and what your tone mapping is doing and it it just spits out this magic and that magic is mimicking reality and the formulas that it's using is relatively simple and it just like it makes you appreciate the, what's, what's happening in the real world absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. far out i mean it's 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 inc- um it's incredible like i remember uh, yeah obviously being an artist i remember when i was like right down the video game rabbit holes when i was i haven't played for a while but yeah i was I remember having a moment in Halo and, and even in, in Grand Theft Auto 5 as well where you could actually, you could, you could find a spot and you could look out to the clouds and everything that, that's digital, that's just the landscapes and you're like, this is pretty fucking like, this looks like one of the old romantic paintings or something. Like this looks like a really beautiful, unique um, landscape and, and if that was painted, that would be considered like incredibly masterful however it's in the game it's just part of the it's part of just the world just keep shooting guns and fucking <laughs> carry on <laughs> but yeah. like often i think that like it's like the um you know video game design is it i was going to say maybe it's too maybe it's underappreciated but it's probably not underappreciated game is a completely appreciated but maybe like the average show or like like from a creative artistic perspective perspective i think it's mm-hmm. there's you know may, maybe some of these like video game designs are are more um they're just beautiful absolutely beautiful and i've, I've often thought like how cool would it be to like i don't know make make three like try and figure out a way of making my work into a three-dimensional space and then i'm like yeah but that could kind of just turn into a video game and that's been done that's that's already been done there's there's actually games that kind of look like my work anytime i upload my work to reddit 
there's there's this one game everyone comments on and go that looks like the sky no skyrim not skyrim no man's sky no man's sky that's one i keep getting comments about that i've never played it yeah I totally bit your color palettes. <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't know of that game before I started that. But like, um, uh, no, that game's recent. You've been you've been doing it way way before them. It's not it's not that original. Sean of an Murray idea, ripped you yeah. off. <laughs> that was my paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, far out, man. I mean, fuck, how the fuck do you design a whole fucking game, dude? You're a genius. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> can we pause for one sec so I can go take a piss? Absolutely. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, to be completely honest, I, yeah, you're, the way your, your brain works, I find, like, extremely interesting because you, you, you just kind of, well, for one, making a game, that's mind-blowing. Two, if you really kind of think about what making a game is, you're kind of making your own reality, and facilitating everyone else to kind of live out their own reality, mm. but like literally making an own reality in the digital um, world. But like the way the way you just kind of constantly play with programs and stuff. I think I mentioned this the other night. Like often, if I find a new program, program, I get a lot of like mental blockers. It's like overwhelming to learn something new, and I kind of get in my own way and just put up mental blocks, and I kind of stick to what I know and mm-hmm. that that definitely definitely gets in the way of progress and exploring new territories mm-hmm. and definitely would I mean sense a reason that could have uh, hindered my creativity a lot um, whereas you I've seen like I don't know every time I come around you've you're showing me something new that you're playing on you're building printers or you're what was the program you showed me last night? It was literally like a virus stimulator, a simulator, <laughs> stimulator, a virus simulator or something. Where um, you're like, it was, it was, I was playing with simulating Fizarum slime mold. Mm. So, little particle simulator of lots of little simple interacting objects interacting with each other on mass to create a trying to create a complex output and trying yeah trying trying to create simple building blocks that can evolve into a more complex world um but i i think that like the the what you talk about as a hindrance of creativity i think is probably a trait more of a creative person in that like I don't see myself as that much of a creative person. I see myself as a technical person. I, I, I solve problems and I, I set myself creative goals for the problems that I want to solve. But ultimately, the thing that I'm good at is like digging down into figuring out how something works and trying to expand on it and flesh it out. And I like... I could never be a painter because I get way too caught up in trying to paint the perfect stroke. But that thing you were showing me the other night, that like virus or slime mold kind of simulator that you were just kind of, the way you were describing it was you were assigning rules or something or different Mm. uh, variables to different, I guess, particles. They're not actual particles, but yeah, simulations of particles and then they would react to each other. But what was coming out of it 
was very uh, very interesting looking two dimensional. Um, you could you could present that as art, and that would pass as art very fine in in a gallery if you could sell it. Well, it, you don't have to sell art for it to be art. No, no, I mean if you could sell it to a gallery, if you could convince them that it's art. But you don't even need a gallery for it for art to be art. But you know, you're also like creating worlds like through video games. So I don't know. To me, I guess agree to disagree. I reckon I reckon you're a pretty creative person. But yeah, but ne- anyway. <laughs> neither, neither of those things were things that I invented. They were things that I was inspired to amongst a lot of influences, and my. My drive is to take things that I'm inspired by and like build them and try to do them better and try to expand and um, apply things in ways that they haven't been applied before. Mm. But it's like it's doing it in a way that is like I try to take things that I've like I don't like the the things that are in my brain are things that I've seen and. I try to push forward from that and the things that I've imagined what they could be and push them into new areas that I haven't seen them be used or, but it's generally like a problem solving mindset. And would you call someone like Elon Musk creative or problem solving? I mean, like I said before, I don't think humans are inherently creative at all. I've actually never heard someone say that. I kind of love it. <laughs> but but we create things, yep. but we don't do it intentionally. Hmm. Like you don't sit down and just go, you know what? Today I'm going to invent something. Like Nikola Tesla probably was just trying to solve problems. He was logically looking at something that needed to be done, looking at the things that he had access to and trying to arrange them in a way that they solved that problem. Try and to the output and, was yep. a thing that was in new right. it hadn't been arranged that way before we can solve problems so you think you think intention is inherent to creativity because what you've described is something creation like that you know they've created nikola tesla for example created something that didn't exist that's that's creation but just from the, the but like painting painting a picture isn't necessarily solving it, it, it's well I, I guess it could be thought of as solving a problem to say like i am trying to well it depends what your intention is yeah i guess you're right but i I often often, that's often exactly how i view a painting it's like if my because i represent representational painting i'm trying trying to uh create something that's meant to look like something in my head there's an end goal i can't speak for completely abstract artists Mm -hmm. and impressionistic artists who might you know, have a burst of energy and that's put a huge weird mark and that's part of, that's that's it. Um, but yeah, for me, I see, I see a lot of it as problem solving, just in a different way. Do you ever think about why you're painting the thing that you're painting? <laughs> Got to pick something because <laughs> I don't know what else to do, Spencer. <laughs> well, why are you painting in the first place then? I don't know, man. I mean... Yeah, deep. I, maybe it's not a deep question. Um, this, this is what it's I, mean what in terms I, it's of what I started doing when I was able to. You know, it was escape. It was freedom. It was it was imagination. It was all mm-hmm. those things. And then, you know, I very nearly gave it. Kind of gave it all up. 
after uni. So just from getting uh, uh, some encouragement along the way kept me doing it. And, and you know, often it's like I don't want to, yeah, again, completely discredit any of my like uh, everything I've worked for. Not like, hey, I just stuck to it. But like, you know, a, a lot of it is just like constantly never being happy with how it is. So you have to have to. What's it? Well, how, how I want, how yeah, your life would be without art. Well, I was talking about my art, but I was just trying to consider exactly what you just said. Um, so, like, dry, pushing yourself forward because you're not happy with the previous thing you painted, try to paint something better. Yeah, like every painting I see is only I can only concentrate on the the faults. But yeah, also like so that, on, that, on a, that's on a, almost the thought process in, in itself of a problem solving thing. Of saying yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I have a problem that my last piece of art isn't as good as I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. How do I make it better? Where did I fail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Why? Why can they paint it better? How what, can I iterate on it? How do they see differently, or how do they use the medium better? Whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but even even like on a deeper level, it's like yeah. I mean. Yeah, every time I go on holiday after after a, uh, a month or two, I'm dying to get home so I can paint, 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 paint. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's all ideas. Once you get home, you're like, "Fuck, I wish I was on holiday." But um, yeah, it's weird. It's, I don't know. That's I guess that's what puts my weird eight, uh, ADD brain at, at at ease, really. But um, that's that's oh, inter really interesting. That you said that because that's I'd, the way that I think about my outlets is mm. these are the things that put my autistic brain at ease mm. right is gadgets and finding out how stuff works and trying to extract the maximum like functionality out of something mm. right that I, I started with like little whatever I could find like walkie talkies or palm like little PDAs or something like that and then the I, get, I got a computer and then I never was able to figure out all the things that it could do because I could make it do whatever I wanted so I'm like constantly stuck in this loop of make the computer do something more interesting yeah yep and it's been a fucking awesome loop like yeah. it's very very fulfilling and I love it and it's it absolutely does fulfill like it does put my brain at ease when I make something happen on a, on a thing. Um, and games were always the thing that was the most complex mm. in that box. And when, when my dad told me that there was pixels, there was someone that worked for him that wrote code lines of text that made pixels move around on the screen, which were little dots of color. And it was all based on logic I was like, what is that? I don't know that. <laughs> and he brought me home a book. It was like the worst book to start. It was like Unix in C++, plus, uh, C++ in Unix. And uh, like I, I just glued myself to that book for months with mm. no idea what was happening. But just with this, like I learned things slowly, but the things that I'm determined enough to sit there for like a really, really long time and never forget... And I just glued myself to that book for such a long time until I understood it because I was like, this this sounds like some, I have a box that I can never possibly figure out all the things that it can do. Mm. And I still haven't gotten to that point. And it's, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Just find find the thing that 
puts your mind at ease with your own weird like concoction of whatever spectrums you exist in <laughs> yeah 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 yep totally yeah it's um so like back to this like slime mold simulator thing that you're kind of doing but again you weren't doing that for any other reason other than just play you're playing mm -hmm. that's you playing other yep. people would play with i don't know whatever you're mm -hmm. just playing in digital things and creating things and watching them grow andy ross is he does that as well mm -hmm. um in some of the art he does he'll just create rules and particles and watch how those particles fly around record mm -hmm. them you've got an interesting looking visual yeah, yeah um yeah very 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 different way of being creative maybe it's not but yeah um it's, it's almost surrendering to the fact that i'll let the engine that i created be creative for me mm. and i didn't even invent the concept of the engine i like was inspired by somebody else doing it so like create i'm almost problem solving the whole creative process and saying I'm going to create a thing that does creativity for me. And then the output is these beautiful like things to me. And I just tweak little values and different things come out. But um, I almost see creativity as an engineering problem. Right. And like, uh, well, I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the things, like if you get into the realm of, well, of AI, which is kind of where, where I was alluding to with this, like, this kind of slime mold thing. You introduced mm -hmm. me to Lex Friedman, which was has now just been my favorite podcast. Um, I would recommend everyone, um, I'm sure everyone already knows, but I recommend everyone listen to Re Lex Friedman's podcast. But like after some of the recommendations you kind of showed me from Lex Friedman, and I don't really know if this is like true or not, but it kind of occurred to me that these like the people working in the artificial intelligence realm kind of in my mind seem to be like the uh the greek philosophers of now absolutely if, if that makes sense absolutely so these like back in the day they were you know i would i can't even i'm i'm not very good at regurgitating stuff but you know like all, all the all the greek philosophers that were literally like contemplating consciousness or even even just creating ideas of of how society should work and different models of society and they're actually kind of able to think in these macro ways that's really kind of it's not where my brain goes you know it, it takes a certain type of brain to really like formulate models <laughs> of like how society should formulate and yeah. literally work out every single who was it who was thinking um uh talking about democracy and then they kind of I watched this thing about why they thought democracy would fail um, ultimately because if democracy, if a country's a ship, you should, you should put the most qualified person to get that ship from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And if you democratize, if the captain dies and you democratize that and it becomes a popularity contest, mm -hmm. that ship will ultimately not get to its destination and and sink that was kind of like a, a metaphor or a comparison that it was using for why democracy but that was um mm -hmm. i want to say uh, i disagree with that comparison because just quickly yeah that if democracy fails at something 
not every single person that voted on the previous thing dies. They get to fail, realize they fucked up, and then make a better decision next time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, provided that they don't create like a power vacuum and another country just takes them over. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about like our democracy kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if we vote for Tony Abbott, then we get to like live through it and then go, oh, that was pretty shit. Maybe let's not do that next time. But democracy is still an action for there to be a next time. Yeah. Like democracy failing in terms of like the model just completely like not being a way of... Anyway, fuck, like I fucking fuck politics. <laughs> I'm so uninformed <laughs> on pretty much everything I talk about. But anyway, I can't remember. I'm going to hate myself and everyone's going to be frustrated. But some Greek, some smart Greek philosopher dude <laughs> figured all that shit out. <laughs> my, point, <laughs> my point is like having listened to like Lex Friedman and even like people like yourself who... It seems like these, um, whether it be computer programmers or artificial intelligence, robotics, like uh, engineers and things, mm -hmm. they seem to be the ones these days that are really trying to conquer the, like, the, the big questions mm -hmm. of consciousness or even ultimately God. Like, is yeah. there a God? Can yeah. we prove there's a God? Can we prove there's not a God? And it seems to be the tech, I don't know, from my perspective. And um, and every single time I hang out with you, we, we end up going into the, the deepest, like, corners about things like consciousness. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm asking, but I... <laughs> it's, 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 de it's definitely something that's been on my mind since I was a wee lad. Mm. And... I know. I think I think people that that like approach life from an engineering perspective have a better ability to objectively look at our own condition and our own like existence. That That's I've, exactly what I was kind of trying to ask. So, like through this slime mold simulator that you're playing with and watching unfold, is this helping you like learn more about just like? all other aspects of like biology and like life and Ab how absolutely that, how things that grow was, and operate that was kind kind of my my focus in it was mm. this seeing when you put re you create a really simple system and you give it simple rules and then you give it a, a starting state where these like things that look like organic structures start to emerge it sort of reflects upon you how simple the rules of the own our own existence that we live in or the physics system that we live in that with a bunch of hydrogen and darkness and a few billion years and humans evolve that humans weren't written into the source code of our universe but still we're doing some pretty fucking wild shit and um by like creating simple systems and more complexity emerging than the complexity that you put into it is something that absolutely fascinates me. And I think what you're talking about with AI researchers and trying to understand, the, trying to find, trying to find a deep understanding of what it is that we are and what, mm. how we exist and how we've come to be. Um, 
but looking at it from an engineering perspective because people that are actually trying to recreate it and people that are trying to create consciousness and trying to create something that exists cognitively on a level that we do requires us to figure out what the fuck's going on and i feel like there was yeah there was times where there was very well documented philosophers really trying to solve those problems and then i feel like we kind of got into a lull of oh well it is what it is who fuck knows Mm, mm. but we're now like let's let's build let's build a general in artificial intelligence artificial general intelligence and to do that we really need to figure out first all of this shit that we have no idea about that we've sort of like apathetically just agreed to not talk about for a while yeah and it's wicked (laughs) that those people are coming to the table like these really sharp minds um and that's yeah something that i love about lex is bringing those people to the table not not just engineers but like philosophers and people that are thinking really really hard about what defines who we are well it's yeah it seemed to me like like maybe five to ten years ago most of those chats that and this has probably got just a lot to do with the orbits that i was in but most of those chats were kind of seemed to be much more in the world of psychedelic communities and spiritual communities mm-hmm. the, the the subject of consciousness and it was kind of um i i guess the the broadening of and popularity of podcasts and, and particularly good podcasts like lex's one has brought those conversations into people's minds but now it just seems it just seems like there's much more it's, it's less about spirituality and hippy dippy stuff and much more about like actual like you kind of put it problems that need to be solved um, which I find so much more. I love the hippie stuff as well, but I, I just find that stuff so much, so much more interesting. Like, um, I think so, it's just different minds trying to solve it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the ultimate, the ultimate thing. Everyone in my, or maybe not everyone, but kind of everyone's trying to figure out. It's like, do do you think we're ever? Do you think we're any closer to figuring out? The problem of consciousness and do you think it's even a, a, a thing that we can figure out yep i reckon we're getting closer every day but what about whether it's just us mimicking the qualities of consciousness not necessarily figuring out consciousness like so for instance they were just talking about this on sam harris and, and lex about like whether or not it could just actually be mimicked so well that it's too hard to decipher whether there's actually a feelings or anything in there, that's that, how would we that ever kind of, know? It's kind of the definition of the Turing test is this famous test of mm. whether an artificial intelligence is. I don't know whether it's whether it's conscious or whether it's just actually an artificial intelligence is whether you can interact with it whether human can interact with it and determine whether it's an artificial intelligence or not. If it is so good at mimicking it, I guess, yeah, it comes back to whether it has, whether it experiences the same experience of consciousness that we do. And yeah. what, where would that line be between it's like, I mean, if, if, if we, if we in this like, 
I don't know, new wave of like every compassion. I'll, I'll strive to be compassionate, confuse a robot that can mimic all the right responses that our brain sees as consciousness. Yeah. We could hand over the reins. Oh, I think you know what I mean? I, I, like, I absolutely think we will. We could totally we we could start what, what, charging what? people for killing robots, and they're actually just fucking. Meep, meep, mop, mop. There's no soul in there. There's no but soul what? in there. But we get we can't even define our own soul to say to someone else that they don't have it or something else that they don't have it. And here was like another thing, like stone of fucking thought. If 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 we became extinct, but but before we became extinct, no, don't fuck even extinction. If we created robots that were sophisticated enough to reproduce they could recycle all the parts and just constantly reproduce Mm -hmm. so when that one dies they can just you know like does biology even have to be in the equation for for it to be considered life because if they can if they can go off to another planet travel space because they don't need oxygen they can reproduce and then they can improve on their models and recycle parts of old obsolete models and constantly um improve their models Providing mm-hmm. they've got an energy source, mm-hmm. is that evolution? Is that l- like life continued? Absol- what is that? Absolutely. Because because if you came across a planet full of robots, would you say it's void of life? No, it is a very active thing. The environment's being manipulated every day. What like? Yeah, it gets blurry, right? Yeah, and I, the way that I think we will create consciousness won't be through designing it. It'll be through something similar to how our consciousness was created. So you put something in an environment where it can randomly change and let it iterate for a very, very long period of time. There was a time where we weren't conscious as a species or a genetic line. There was, we had genetics, but we didn't have consciousness. So like and the, just like the most, Plain and simple definition of consciousness, you would say, would be uh, self-awareness or the very fact that there's an eye open experiencing itself. Because I think my my I don't think I can define define consciousness quite yet. Because my my, my, my dad argument semantic it figured out. Yeah, argument with my not argument, just debate with my dad. I was referring to consciousness as almost like the very fact that. A metaphorical eye is opened up and it's witnessing something, whether it be a germ or yeah, yeah. An animal the, or the, a, the experience of yeah, being there's an experience, conscious. sir. Exactly. That's kind of being an entity. Maybe my clumsy hippie way of explaining consciousness. Whereas I think some people will, would actually refer to being conscious as being possibly self aware and maybe a certain level of decision making. Would you do you think a do you think a ant is self-aware? Um, probably not. Do you think it's conscious? It's a representation of consciousness. That's not really answering. Do you think the it question. experiences consciousness? Yeah, uh, I mean, it would kind of have to, right? Then it's receiving the- light, and it would be even making decisions to go left or right. And that would be something in there that, for me, would be 
So can elect- it's not matter. So can an electronic circuit, but right. Okay. Whether that so ex- this is where the lines get blurry, I guess. Yeah. So I haven't quite figured out whether where the, whether How there is a draw on the line of like active creatures that exist within our time scale, like things that can react instantly and move around and make decisions, and whether they experience that consciousness. Would you think Annette's conscious? Mm, almost would... seems like a program, right? Like insects almost seem like they're programs. <laughs> yeah, but I see, I see humans that way as well. Mm. When you look at humans over a large enough sample space, they get really predictable. We think of ourselves as really individual, but like... Especially nowadays, as more and more people absorb the exact same content. And you, when you give the human brain, it's super fucking complex, but you lock it in a room for six months and you feed it the same Instagram feed, every single, well, maybe 14 different groups will react differently, but those people amongst hundreds of thousands of other people will absorb that content and then spit out the same garbage out the other side mm, yeah and that's that's exactly the same as a machine you it's predictable as long as as long as you give it the same input it's going to give get, give you the same output and I, like I don't, I don't see that as i don't see that in a pessimistic view like mm, it's just more like it's just the observational observationally understanding what it is that we are and accepting our limitations and getting rid of this like this ridiculous idea of the fact that we are these magical beings that are controlling our own universe. We're we're machines like everything else. What about like free will? Do you, do you think that's just a complete illusion? No, we 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 have free will to act upon the information that we're given. Hmm. Like we don't we don't make decisions without information like we we have drives we have instincts we have things that are like foundations of our existence and we can't get rid of them if we do get rid of them we don't have anything to drive us and we get real confused Mm. yeah like that's something that i struggle with a lot of like we've outgrown these these initial basic instincts of like drives and um things that were pre-programmed into us as the core definition of our being like reproduction being the core of all of those things of we need to continue to exist otherwise we won't exist and we're here because we were pretty good at continuing to exist Hmm. and when you take that away the meaning of our existence becomes up to you to define if you if you say that yeah, I know, I was just about to ask like that that model that doesn't leave you into a lead you into a nihilistic perspective of of the way things work, like nothing meaning anything, or is it? Well, you kind of actually it, just answered that. Saying it, like, it's not so much nothing meaning anything; it's that things mean, mean whatever you decide they mean, mm. and it it puts it it puts this like onus of creativity coming back to that word on your entire existence and and i don't think humans are particularly good at creating that for themselves um me included 
So you end up in this kind of limbo space of being like, I don't quite believe in my pre-programming of the things that I should be doing with my time, but I also don't quite have a solution to what I should be doing with my, like where I should yep. be spending my energy or what my, what my motivation should be. Hmm. So, um, like I like to think that I kind of set my own motivations, but it's probably just I ignore some and some of the underlying ones which were related to reproduction and like striving to impress the opposite sex or something like that. Like like work, working really hard and trying to do dope shit because like I like to think it's because I am I like curious, but maybe it could curious. be boiled down to. Yeah, ma- yeah ma- maybe like. maybe it can go back to some to something about like showing off to the opposite sex so yeah. that you're impressive. More, more elaborate ways of like or get re- getting really good at collecting food and solving problems to do that so that you hold up the tribe so that you can reproduce more or some something mm. like that. Yeah, and like I'm more okay with those things because I feel like they create a world that I'm more impressed with and. Like those those elements of humanity are things that I like. Yeah. That when, when like like yourself, somebody that works really hard to push themselves to make something dope, and that enhances the complexity of the um, the planet that we exist on, or the universe that we exist within. And that's how I, that that's how I measure um, the value of the progression of like humanity or whatever happens after humanity is how complexly organized the atoms of our universe are. Hmm. Like if we if we ceased to exist and there was just a bunch of rocks and gases and shit floating around, it's not that interesting. Well. Yeah, on that, like, I mean, there's no reason that this can't exist. But, like, do you think that the the very idea of, like, consciousness or, or life, uh, kind of that, you know, simple, uh, you know, philosophical saying, if a tree falls down in the woods and no one's around to see it, does it make a sound? Mm-hmm. Do you think that the physical universe and has a, a, a symbiotic relationship with a witnesser. Does that make like, yeah, make, I know it doesn't have like, make, if you think about it completely, like the laws of physics and everything, it makes total sense that it doesn't. However, there's no reason for anything of, to become there's aware. There's a lot of shit going on that no one is a witnesser. In fact, the, that, the tree itself could be a witnesser. The, the, tr- the yeah. forest could be a witnesser. The planet could well, be a witnesser. Well, I mean, you could argue, argue very strongly that it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's alive. Um, if, if a tree falls in a wood, does the tree hear it? Yeah. <laughs> no, because it doesn't have ears. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it probably knows that it fell over, that it no longer has connection to roots mm. and it should probably stop trying to absorb water through them. But the... The concept of a witnesser is... No, nah, 
too too hard. I haven't figured that out yet. I've been working on it. Been working on it. <laughs> working on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so there's so many possibilities for what that is. <clears throat> and all I know is that what my witnesser estate is and what yours is. Like you can express to me that you have the same witness estate that I do, but that plan might be witnessing what it's witnessing, but it can't talk about it, so we don't know it's there. Totally. It could be sensing like, I don't know, some slow motion version of sonar where it's just releasing gases and then the relationship to its absorption of of what carbon dioxide is somewhat making up a mental inverted commas image of its environment. Yeah. I imagine it's if 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 that if that plant was conscious, it'd be pretty similar to closing your eyes and walking out your front door on a sunny day and feeling the sun on your skin. It knows the sun's there. It knows how to turn itself towards the sun. Yeah. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. And that's a real nice feeling. So I vibe with the plant on that. I vibe with the plant on that too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to have a chat about the consciousness to us. Mm. But that doesn't mean it's not there. Mm. Yep. Well, maybe that's the unique thing that we have. It's not that we experience consciousness the most. It's that we have the ability to talk about it. And I kind of also think like one of the most unique things about us is the fact that we're like out of line with like Zen, like the Zen way. Like if you look at a cat, it's just like it's just sitting there meditating almost all day every day and then killing shit horrifically. <laughs> <laughs> but is like the same killing like shit part of zen but do you know what i mean like there's no being every itself. other every other being is f- perfectly fine with just being yeah and we're like fidgety motherfuckers like it's very that's the kind of, <laughs> that's a big point of difference nothing else seems to be looking to escape its current predicament true yeah we got really good at surviving we outgrew our instincts. No other creature has done that. Mm. We outgrew the necessity to reproduce because we reproduce so much that we're probably going to destroy ourselves because of it. We outgrew our ability to find food because we find so much food that we kill ourselves because of it. Yeah, we're fat motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> like all of the things that are pre-programmed into us, we got so good at that we have to physically restrain ourselves from doing them, which puts us in this like awkward state of having to detach ourselves from our own nature or suffer consequences. Whereas if the, if the cat was like, you know what, if I keep eating these birds, they're going to put me down, better, better stop doing that. The cat would wouldn't have that same like I don't give a fuck attitude, yeah. As it does, it's just our ability to predict what's going to happen with us that kind of makes us these flaccid creatures. Yeah, flaccid. (laughs) (laughs) What a word. Uh, we don't have to be. No, we can be erect. 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether that's much better. <laughs> oh, fuck. I mean, it's just like whenever you kind of go into this territory, no one's really got the answers. But it's pretty great. It's a great exercise, I think. It's yeah. a great exercise. It's a, I don't know. What 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 did you figure out in your many years of <laughs> delving deep? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> there's like there's a clip in South Park where they like Stan's parents talk about you know their enlightening days when they were take trying out with acid. Then it just like cuts to Woodstock, and they're just like. I'm so fucked up on acid, man. And then vomit everywhere, <laughs> then slip over in the vomit and then they just start rooting and it just cuts back to like them now. I feel like if you could really see my spiritual years, inverted commas, most mm-hmm. of it was like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I, uh, I think the rum the Das years taught me the most. Yeah. And I wish the Ramdas years continued, but then COVID happened. Also Ramdas died, but that doesn't mean his teachings don't go on. Um Really? How, tell me about that. When how long ago was that? I went to Hawaii in I think maybe two thousand sixteen. And you know who Ramdas is? Mm-hmm. Yep. So in summary, most people would know, but he was one of Timothy, he was Timothy Leary's right hand man, big figure in the psychedelic uh, uprising of the sixties and seventies. Psychologist, fired from Harvard, went to India uh, on a mission to figure out what the fuck the problem of consciousness was, and then founded his guru and became um, uh, obsessed with well. No, he became very um, – he, fa- he found what he's looking for and he was like an instrumental voice of a Westerner coming to the West teaching Eastern philosophies. So I always saw him as a massive success story because I kind of saw myself similar, not at all like to him. He's, he's a very unique, specific um, – impressive individual in my eyes i see you as that as well uh thank you i i'm definitely not but thank you um but he yeah he 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 took that rebellious streak of him and then taking drugs that were not you're not meant to take and he, he he really used them all as um tools or vehicles to get closer to the deeper reason he would even take it in the first place, the deeper reason he was even a psychologist in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he did, yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, that was a little intro about Ramdas. But yeah, going over there and, and spending time um, and kind of comes back to what you were talking about, about we give meaning, we, 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 we give life or experience the meaning that we give it. And um I've never vibed with nihilism. I, I, I've met a few people that really are nihilistic and I, I find it very difficult to understand. Like, I, I, just, I just reject it. I reject it, like, harshly because I don't think it leads anywhere good. 
it's kind of like if you let's take the, let's take the uh, the predicament we're in with like global warming. If most people take on the environmental catastrophes that we're in and just go, well, there's no point. I mean, because we're so fucked and what can I do? And we just accept that. Mm-hmm. Then no one's going to innovate. Mm-hmm. So you have to have optimists. You have to have people that reject that for that innovation to overcome to ever really happen. I don't think those two things are completely linked though. Nihilism and we're fucked anyway. So why bother? Yeah, I maybe think, I don't I th- understand I think, nihilism you're mixing well, like well enough. Being apathetic with nihilistic, maybe. Yeah, I think like, like I, I think I have nihilistic tendencies in that believing that the universe is will continue whether we're part of it or not, and there isn't a divine purpose and there is no so so what exactly is nihilism um i'm probably what, not the, i'm probably not the person to define it for well, you cl- clearly i'm not either i my understanding was just like i guess we meet if we if we if we meet robots and you know nothing really matters we all die anyway it's just like but you know you kind of just do what you want i guess or not even just like oh, i'm doing a terrible job right now oh i have a cry <laughs> yeah please help me i think <laughs> save me <laughs> i think by definition it is that there is no higher purpose to our existence right. and that um there's no underlying morality of the universe and i mean nothing matters in terms of from the perspective of the universe and like as a sort of opposition to and that there's no there's no god there's no afterlife is that not just like atheism i thought nihilism was more void than that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah like I said, I'm not, yeah, I'm, not the like, pers- I'm not the person to give you the definition of it. But the reason that I say that it's there's there's elements of that in me because I like I I hear certain people in nihilistic perspectives talking. I'm like, yeah, there's you got some points there mm. of the of the way that I've always felt. Like I when I was a kid, my I this story my mum's told me. I don't remember it myself, but. When I was young, I moved my bed away from the window, and she's like, "Why did you do that?" And I was like, "Ah, oh, looking up at the stars, and it like was stopping me sleeping." And so she used to tell people, "Oh, Spencer moved his bed away from the bed from the window because he was afraid of the stars." And uh, mm. for me, it was like, I was being like it. It just like my mind would just fucking run on these tangents of like the, the universe the and the expansiveness of it and like how insignificant I am compared to all of that and getting like larger and larger and larger and like there could be an asteroid moving at a billion fucking light years a second just wipe out a whole solar system and I wouldn't even know what happened and mm. like I'm like this speck of dust that's so insignificant in the in the scheme of of that big picture and when you frame your own existence from that big picture 
it puts you in a state that's like um, paralyzed or something. Or? Kind of, but like that paralyzed that that state of being paralyzed eventually becomes a strength because I sat in it for a long time, and then eventually, like, yeah, that 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 hilarious moment where my mom made fun of me, and then eventually I moved my bed back, and then like sort of like soaked it in and sat in like the grief of the control that I thought I had over my existence. How old were you? <laughs> About eight or nine. Oh, that's so good. And that once I'd properly grieved for that idea that I was in control. At eight or nine. <laughs> it was so liberating that it was like, it was like becoming, it was like adapting to the darkness and being yeah. like, all right, that's, sweet. That's a thought that I would have in my like 23rd, 4th, 5th year. <laughs> <laughs> You're eight or nine. That's the difference. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I think that's like amazing. And yeah, I mean like, yeah, on that nihilism thing, like there are, there's a great case to make for that. Like I don't particularly... Majority of my thought process, I would say that I have, I totally believe that the universe has no intention behind it. The universe does not give a fuck whether you live, whether you die, or whether we live moral lives, or this or that. However, the very fact that if you kill someone, you will ruin 30 lives mm-hmm. around that person. Mm-hmm. And create a chain reaction of bad, mm-hmm. of trauma and pain and mm-hmm. un- inability for people to thrive. Mm-hmm. To me, that that's enough, whether it's a higher universal perspective, that's enough to actually see a legitimacy of, of meaning. Mm-hmm. So I reject like the, the, the thing that nothing means anything, I guess. You can go full macro and be like, an asteroid could hit us and... Yeah, yeah, and the, the 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 you know timeline of the universe goes on. It's prob- probably happened countless times. Most likely, it's happened countless times. The way and that, we'll never know. The way that you phrase that just created a moment of clarity for me of how I think about the universe. In generally, from that perspective of not so much thinking about individual actions and their flow on effect, but like the global um, looking down at everything that's happening in the entire universe at one time. Mm. Um, But if you imagine looking at the universe from the perspective of, of an observer. Yeah. And I feel like, Obviously, there's biases of you looking at it as a human observer. You're naturally going to have human biases of what you would like to see. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's pretty objectively true that a more complex universe is going to be a more interesting one. So if you're just looking at a bunch of like evenly distributed quarks, floating around in a black space is not that interesting that once 
things start to emerge in really, really complex structures. Once you start to see microchips and fucking like skyscrapers and planes and um, like brains and things, things like that emerging in your universe, you're probably going to be like, all right, these, this is this sitcom's getting more interesting now. Mm. There's there's yeah. a whole bunch of shit happening, and if you think about that as an observer of the universe and you say, all right, killing someone is probably going to, the only thing that's going to do is reduce the complexity of the arrangement of atoms that are happening in that universe. Mm. Only less, less interesting things are going to happen because of that. Yeah. I'd, I would, I would see that and I would say, yep, that's, that's pointing in the direction of not as good. And I, I feel like that I try my hardest to look at that from a not human perspective, to not look at it from human morality perspective. Right. Of, right, right. of being like oh, like a physics perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Like Just... like com- like complexity of a system. Coming mm. back to like creating the slime mold simulation things as me playing God and pressing the buttons to try to make it so that complex things came out. If you were pressing buttons to make complex things come out and then there was like these murderous asteroids coming through just wiping out everything good, you'd be like, fuck, all right. I'm just left with a bunch of empty space once that happens. Yeah. Or like if humans wipe each other out before the sun turns into a red dwarf, consciousness, let's say that we were the only consciousness that managed to evolve in the whole universe and then we never managed to get off our planet, then the whole universe just turns to blackness slowly and it's really fucking boring. Mm. That, that would be really shit. Very disappointing that, That's something yeah. that I would be like honestly disappointed about. But In that- my nihilistic perspective, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really shit. Yeah. I want there to be something complex and interesting. I want Battlestar Galactica to happen in the fucking... In, in in space. Yeah. That that's something that I'd be down with. And I think the highest chance that, that will happen is that we create a consciousness of machines and they fly off into the distance and do a bunch of cool shit and we probably won't be part of it. Have you <laughs> have you seen Alien Covenant? Mm-hmm. A lot of people think it's a really shit film. And I don't actually think it's like the perfect film or anything. But it is a weird film that got me thinking. They're not like they didn't invent concepts. But the very like, I don't know, there's, there's parts of that film that I find very, I think they were trying to convey some, I think the whole Alien series, like the, even the later ones, mm-hmm. Prometheus and Covenant, mm-hmm. they're trying to convey very, very interesting ideas in my, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Whether they're successful or not in making it a very, linking it with a compelling story or not. But um, I kind of love that, you know, sending this, one robot off and then it like destroyed an entire planet and then that was like this like created the alien (laughs) created the alien that's the signature alien that's just a wasp like destroyer and that's one that was one thing and i mean honestly i really like i've it's it's just belief it's just belief and speculation but i totally Mm. think that like in this like Almost infinite universe. There's no reason those scenarios haven't played out many times before. 
yeah, but like, many times. Before. But when you see about that, like that destroyer, that that like looking at that destruction from the perspective of a possible prey is like, oh, how could you create such a horrible, evil thing in the scope of human consciousness? But when you look at it from a like a a higher perspective that's a really really interesting creature that exists that will continue to propagate itself amongst the universe yes like nature's metal like that's all that's how a lot of creatures would look at us yeah they'd be like that's some fucked up shit that's gonna definitely eat me yeah i I don't want that to exist we are the alien when i was a when i was a kid i didn't i thought uh tigers and lions and sharks were evil because they're (laughs) They're chompy machines. Mm-hmm. No, there's, there's beautiful creatures that are, you know, praying mantises eat yeah. uh, flies alive. Like, <laughs> zoom in, that's horrific. Zoom out, it's just a bug. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. I say power, power to whatever the fuck can continue to exist. Yep, totally. And if that eats me, I'm happy to be its prey. And if I can figure out a way to problem solve around that being a thing and I can eat it, then that'd be cool too. I mean, I've heard a lot of people like shark attack victims. We'll, we'll, we'll word it exactly like that. As soon as it happened, I didn't feel animosity towards the creature. It just is. Yeah. It sucks. That's that, the nature. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. Man, it is just always an absolute pleasure to chat with you. I can't think of one dull chat we've had. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, man. They're all great. And and like again, back to kind of like my, I don't know, little kissing ass statement before. I really I lo- I really appreciate your ability to um talk with someone who has such little understanding about a certain thing that you might uh, you never have any kind of a trace of frustration. You're excited to explain your ideas and kind of further that curiosity. And, um, you know, not that doesn't always happen with people. It doesn't always happen with quite intelligent people either. So um, uh, I'm very grateful for that. It's awesome. And you're awesome. And thanks for coming on my show, baby. I I appreciate any time you're willing to listen to the bullshit that I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And I appreciate you locking in for a couple hours and talking a bunch of shit. Fuck yeah, dude. Thanks, man. Much love, man. Um, You're not really on social media, so fuck all that. No one needs to find you. But um, do do you still get a kick out of people using your game, Hurt World? Well, it's not, yeah? Yeah. Go online and buy Hurt World, the survival game where you can climb a wall of dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite yet. Not quite yet. That's in the making. (laughs) Thanks, Spencer. Much love. Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya.